You're listening to Decoding Seafood, where we dive into the depths of one of the world's most beloved but misunderstood foods and the industry that drives its production, environmental impact, and cultural norms. Join us as we peel back the layers and speak to the players of the seafood industry, from chefs to scientists, influencers, and everyone in between. This is Decoding Seafood, brought to you by Moe. There are a lot of businesses, products, and fad diets out there that are making huge health and weight loss claims, but many don't deliver, or they just feel like torture to adhere to. However, what if the best, most nutritious, and delicious diet wasn't even a diet at all? The Mediterranean way of eating is non-restrictive, flexible, and scientifically proven to add more years to your life while also adding more life to your years. And as a registered dietitian, Kelly Powers is one of its biggest advocates. Kelly's helped thousands of time-crunched people find ease in the kitchen. Yes, that means no stress and actually enjoying cooking, while also helping them achieve their health goals, like effortless weight loss in the process. Today, Kelly joins us to decode how you can find joy, health, and happiness in the kitchen thanks to the flexible and seafood-rich Mediterranean diet. Kelly, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. I want to just start off. What are some of the, the common issues as someone's coming to you as a, a meal planning nutritionist and a registered dietitian? What are some of the common things that they're wanting to change or rectify about their life? Yeah, so most common, I would say, is stopping dieting, to be honest. I work in a space or in a way of promoting intuitive eating, sustainable behavior change. And so a lot of people who do come to, to me to work together, that that is their priority or their focus. They're ready to kind of pull away from diet culture, stop using fad diets or jumping from this diet to that diet and finding a sustainable way to eat and live. Finding something that works for busy schedules. We're often overworked and don't have a lot of time or a lot of space to to make change. And so things that are very quick, very practical, very easy are things that I work on my clients with. And also, to be honest, weight loss. A lot of people do have that goal. And that's one thing about the Mediterranean diet. It is a result often. If it's not weight maintenance, then it does result in weight loss. And so a lot of people really come to me looking for that or finding ways that work for their whole household too. Cooking, eating that works for the kids, the parents, and, and everyone's having one meal and not making three. Yeah, I think we're all hoping for that. So it's, I'm really interested about this. You're passionate about the Mediterranean diet. It's received a lot of press for its health benefits, including how it could help your lifespan. I'd like to break that down a bit because obviously the media and within social media, there's a lot of promotion of fad diets, something that you love to speak about, and it can be hard to kind of separate fact from fiction. So can you tell us what defines the Mediterranean diet? Yeah, definitely. Happy to. The Mediterranean diet, I think first and foremost, it goes beyond just a diet aspect or a food component. It really focuses on a lifestyle factor and takes into account a sustainable approach to cooking, eating, and living which is is really great for people. It's the opposite of a fad diet in the sense that it's not promoting or promising something that may not promote overall health and longevity. And it's something that 
I find and I've seen with my clients really can be maintained for life, which is really nice. And that's that's why I think I keep coming back to it. And a lot of people keep coming back to it. And numerous studies show us that it's very, very beneficial for overall health and for longevity. So yeah, I think it's just really a well-rounded, balanced approach to eating and living. I want to know specifically, when did you kind of hone in on the Mediterranean diet as the one that you thought was ideal and the one that you as a dietitian were going to be able to really lean into and recommend? Yeah. So I actually studied abroad when I was an undergrad and I lived in Florence for a semester. And that was when I really first had mass exposure to the Mediterranean diet and Italian food culture, the Mediterranean way of living. And so that really opened my eyes. I was on track to go to nursing school, came back and wanted to focus on preventative care. And so I did that by switching my college course and degree to nutrition and dietetics. And so that was kind of the first taste I had of the Mediterranean. I continued my studies and whatnot. And then I became a dietitian. After a while, I went back to Italy and I got a graduate degree in Rome. I was there for about a year and a half. And in that time, I fully immersed myself in Italian culture and really became very familiar with the Mediterranean diet. And also the relationship it lended for people to have with food and how positive that was and how manageable, how approachable it really is being the lifestyle piece, but also just the diet itself. It's very well-rounded, it's non-restrictive, and it, it just promotes overall a, a positive relationship with food. Okay. Before I kind of jump into what I want to ask you next, there's something you mentioned there that I really want to kind of press into. What is it about the benefits that you saw that you weren't seeing in other diets offered? Yeah, I think how well balanced it was in regard to building a plate, for example. It's really high in fiber and incorporates a lot of whole grains, a lot of beans, a lot of legumes. It's very plant-based, but it also is created or built in a way that there's low stress around it, which I think is a huge piece around food, nutrition, and diet that's often missed, and especially in this country, in this food culture. And so finding the behavior of how ingrained it was in family life and the lifestyle components being sharing meals together, removing distraction at mealtime, building a life that really revolved around food, but in a way that was very sustainable and very simple. I think the simplicity of it is really, really what stuck with me. That's beautiful. And this actually helps me segue into my next question, because you talk about almost the slowness and the beauty of the Mediterranean lifestyle. It's very distinct within Greece and in Italy. You, you can feel it when you're over there. But we're going to go over to the other side of the pond now where we are in, in America. There is a message we receive in America that we should be eating more seafood. But why? Why, why should someone pursue the Mediterranean diet? And, and how does seafood factor into that? It's really well-rounded and really balanced. It promotes longevity. The diet itself is high in fiber. It has a really great macro profile with it being about 50% carbohydrates, 20% or so protein, 30% about on average up to 35 or so healthy fats. And that's where seafood really plays a role, especially fatty fish, particularly salmon. It's great for brain health. It's great for heart health. It's high in omega-3 fatty acids. And so being able to find sustainable ways that are practical and easy to incorporate it into the diet is huge. And one thing that I love about, about seafood in particular is how easy and quick it is to cook and to prepare. It makes it really manageable for like a Tuesday night 
night, for example. It doesn't have to be anything that's extravagant. And it's also nice. It goes back to the simplicity of the Mediterranean diet and being able to actually implement it and to have it be practical and to maintain it for days, weeks, years to come. That's really helpful to understand those benefits, even myself in my mind. I've been told those things before, know that they're true, but to hear someone like yourself explain that a, a bit and to break that out a bit more it is really helpful. Jumping off of that, what makes fish and I'll be more specific, salmon, particularly important to the human diet. So those attributes you said the fish has, what does our body need those things? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great question. So Fish in particular, either it can be fairly lean and it's an excellent source of protein, or if it's a higher fatty fish, then it has healthy fats in particular. So healthy fats are great. Fish, specifically salmon in the Mediterranean diet is where a lot of the healthy fat is sourced from. Outside of that, it's olive oil, olives, nuts, seeds, things of that nature. And so either very plant forward or very seafood based. And so healthy fats really help with overall health. They help with longevity. They help with cognition and they prevent cognitive decline. They help prevent the onset of Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, other diseases like that. They help with skin health. They help with healthy hair, things of that nature. And so overall, it's something that we really do want to incorporate into our diet. And having salmon, for example, a couple times a week is a great way to be able to do that. So you've convinced me that obviously I should be eating more seafood. Does it matter how I cook it? And if so, why? Yeah, so my favorite ways to prepare seafood, honestly, are grilling it or broiling it. Again, it goes back to the convenience, the ease of it. I think following or being in line with the Mediterranean diet, keeping things very simple and approachable and manageable is so important because we can talk about all the health benefits of things for forever. And we have research and studies that allow us to do that. But if we can't actually implement it or bring it into our diet, incorporate it in, then we're losing or missing all of that, essentially. And so finding ways that are very simple, broiling a piece of salmon for eight minutes with a little bit of salt and pepper or a very simple Asian-inspired marinade is a great weeknight dinner. Grilling a piece of fish and putting some lemon on top of it when you finish, using just salt, pepper, oil, keeping things very, very simple are great ways to cook them. Sautéing a filet of fish with a little bit of olive oil or really any seafood for that matter. But again, keeping things very basic, using foundational techniques, cooking techniques, and then enhancing things by enhancing a dish or adding flavors after or adding fresh herbs and things of that nature are great ways to prepare fish, but also to to actually be able to do it. That's cool. I often would think of grilling as a preferred method, but the broiling, I'm glad you brought that up, especially if in the wintertime, someone who's maybe in the Northeast, like in Boston, might not want to get on the grill. So broiling is a great wintertime option for, for cooking seafood. So thank you for that. I would love to get inside your mind in terms of when you go grocery shopping as a registered dietitian and meal planning nutritionist, what do you look for when you're picking your seafood? Yeah, so usually if I'm going to be going to the meat counter or the seafood counter, I will kind of chat with the the person behind who's working and just be friendly, have conversation, ask what may be fresh. So that's a route to go down. Also, I will gravitate towards some items that are vacuum sealed or pre-packaged just because I trust often that they are just going to have a freshness to them without having been exposed to oxygen, things of that nature. And so that is something that I often rely on too. 
That's great. There's certain colors that you really gravitate towards. Scent, smell, like, I mean, if you're able to, uh, what are some descriptors that you can kind of put on there? Yeah, if it's going to be a salmon, something that's a little more terracotta forward, has a nice, like, rosy kind of flushness to it, something that doesn't look kind of coppery or have that undertone. Honestly, you want to have a fish or find a fish or a seafood item that really doesn't have a smell to it. It shouldn't necessarily if it's fresh, and I think there's a misconception around that, that seafood, fish, it's smelly, but when it's fresh, it's, it's not. Kelly, the next thing I want to dive into, and it's something we're really thankful for, we've partnered with you to create 10 different recipes from Oe. Can you tell us a little bit more about this partnership? Yeah, absolutely. So I built out the recipes or the recipe book because I really wanted to show people how approachable seafood, fish, shrimp really is, and also how approachable the Mediterranean diet is. And I built the recipes to really be simple and easy. They're designed for a weeknight. That's one thing I love about seafood is it cooks so quickly and it's so easy to use that you don't have to spend 45 minutes making a dish or building a recipe before having dinner at the end of the day. We're all hungry, we're tired, we're ready to eat. So I really kept all of that in mind and also variety. There's tacos, there's a baked white fish, there's a couple salmon dishes, a lot of herbs, very well balanced. And so the recipes all follow the Mediterranean diet, the macronutrient profile, which is great. And they're all very high in fiber. They're minimally processed or have no processed items at all. And they're simple and they're, they're really delicious. That's great. Can you maybe describe some of the recipes that really stand out to you out of the 10? Yeah, so I have two, I would say. One is a baked white fish, and it's served over a bed of couscous. It's super simple. It's just some blistered or broiled tomatoes and shallots, and then the white fish is, is added with a little bit of lemon, some olive oil, and some dried oregano, and then that's served over couscous. It's really flavorful. It's really simple, and it's nice because you don't even have to saute the fish. You don't have to do anything. You just pop it all in the oven. My favorite salmon dish in the, the recipe book is an herb-forward salmon salad, in a sense, and it has some arugula and some pearl couscous with that one. For the whitefish recipe, for someone listening who, who's maybe completely new to seafood, they think of whitefish, they can think of a lot of different whitefish. So within that recipe, what whitefish were you recommending? Yeah, so it's great because you can use cod, you can use halibut. You could probably even use like a turbo filet or something a little bit thinner. Um, it would just adjust the, the cooking time. But it's nice because going back to freshness, you can either select or ask the person at the fish counter what is freshest and then go with that. One thing we were talking about before the show began that we really, really wanted to ask you about was, do you think it's ever too late to implement the Mediterranean diet? If someone is listening to this, maybe they're 40, 50, 60, and they feel like, what difference will this make? Is it ever too late to implement the Mediterranean diet? And is there still opportunities for it to, to dramatically change your life? Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's ever too late to make sustainable change. And, and the Mediterranean diet is a great thing to implement at any stage of life. If anything, 
it will help people relieve or reduce stress, hopefully, around cooking, eating. And then also, it really looks at other aspects of life, whether it's movement, purpose, or community. And all of those things, I think, again, at any stage in life are very important. And so, no, I don't think it's ever too late. And also, two of the five blue zones in the world, which is where the most centennials live, are actually in the Mediterranean. So if they can do it and they're doing something right, then we can kind of follow along and do that too. That's fascinating. Are there any kind of studies that have been done around this or any kind of anecdotes that you know of that kind of point to people maybe adopting the Mediterranean diet or maybe even people that you've consulted with as a a dietitian that have implemented this later on and and you've really seen some health benefits from? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the Mediterranean diet has been shown to have a great benefit on overall health, also help with weight maintenance, weight loss. A lot of my clients who implement it at maybe later stages of life, even whether it's 50, 60, it helps them really reduce their stress and also find more joy and ease in cooking and eating. And with that, they're able to actually continue to implement it and to build on it and to create new and additional health practices. And so in turn, they naturally will reach their health goals, their cholesterol levels will drop, their blood pressure will drop, and they'll reach their weight goals, but in a very sustainable manner. So it's it's non-restrictive and it's not anything that is demonizing of food in a sense. And so it allows people to really create and foster a healthy relationship with food with that and, and that in itself is really, really beneficial and, and enjoyable. So again, it doesn't matter if you're 10, if you're 20, if you're 50, it's something that there's, there's benefit in for everyone. Have you noticed with any of the people that you've consulted with, has there been a change in personality or mood or how they carry themselves or how they how they move? Are they able to be more active or, or do different act, physical activities that they hadn't done in the past or had done and wish they could do now? Yeah, definitely. I mean, when you free up your brain space from fixating on restrictive diets or fad diets and you just find a way to cook and eat and live that works for you, you can really reclaim a lot of your time and a lot of hobbies, things that you enjoy doing. And so I've seen that with a lot of my clients. Energy levels absolutely increase because it's such a well-balanced diet and people are are nutritionally fed, which is really nice to see. And so I, I would say, yeah, absolutely. It's, it's really helpful for people. What makes the Mediterranean diet not a fad diet? Because if I'm listening to this for the first time, if you're someone who's listening to this and you've never heard of the Mediterranean diet, you've heard of a lot of other fad diets, and you think of it as a buffet of these different options, what would make it different from those categories of fad diets? Yeah, yeah, great question. I mean, sustainability, I keep going back to it, but it is a very sustainable diet. And it, again, it's more of a lifestyle approach, and that in turn makes it sustainable. And it being non-restrictive. It's not going to promote or promise things that are really unrealistic. And it's just a healthy, well-balanced way to, to cook and eat and live. Sure. How realistic do you think it is for Americans to implement a Mediterranean diet and eat more seafood? I think it's really realistic, to be honest. I think We have to combat diet culture, which makes it a bit challenging. And a lot of what we've heard and have been told oftentimes our entire life. And so really 
holding space for that, I think, can be very challenging, and that has to be a priority or has to happen before behavior change can really happen, or at least it has to be questioned. So that way people can start to make change and then see the benefit of that change and be able to build on that and to implement more change. So it's it's not the easiest thing in that regard, but once it's actually put into practice, People often will have improved self-efficacy in the kitchen, which is huge to allow for that momentum to propel forward. And it doesn't have to be hard. That's the one thing about the Mediterranean diet, again, that I keep going back to is the simplicity of it. If you go to Italy and you eat a tomato with a little bit of olive oil and salt, it's life-changing. And so it doesn't have to be complex. We don't have to create these dishes, follow these recipes that utilize 30 ingredients and take an hour and just are not practical and oftentimes defeating for people and, and have an adverse effect. And so keeping things as simple as possible is the one thing I love about the Mediterranean diet. It's so whole food based and it's it's very, very simple. You can build a salad or a plate and use farro and have a piece of salmon and have a very simple side salad and dress it with some olive oil, lemon juice and a little bit of salt and you're good to go. It's high fiber, it's well balanced, it's it's delicious and it's easy. Well said. In a confusing, busy world, it seems that the theme here is simplicity is actually a secret and it can be achieved with relative ease, but some guidance from someone like yourself. So I really appreciate that. Okay. If I'm wanting to go to the grocery store, implement the Mediterranean diet, what are some kind of staple items that need to be in my pantry, my fridge to make sure that this is something I'm able to start cooking relatively soon? Yeah, definitely fresh produce, fruits, vegetables. You'll want to pick those up probably weekly, farmer's market, grocery store. Uh, Same with seafood. The pantry items that are great to have on hand that keep really well are going to be whole grains that may look like getting farro, couscous, quinoa, bulgur, barley. I mean, there's a lot of grains that we don't often use here um, that can be incorporated into a a well-balanced diet and to provide variety. The other things I always recommend are canned beans and lentils. The Mediterranean diet has a really high intake of both of those items and getting them pre-cooked essentially and canned makes life so much easier when you want to put together a meal. Are there any kind of veggies or fruit that you're that your real go-tos? I love like fennel, um, oranges, citrus. I, I really try to shop in season. It's a great way to incorporate variety into your diet and make sure you're hitting all the nutrients that you need throughout the year. And it also keeps things really fresh and flavorful. The farmer's market's a great way to do that. The store as well. I live in California, so I'm very fortunate to have most items available year-round. That's not the case for many. And so just kind of eating in season is a way to naturally add variety to your diet. Leafy greens are always great to have on hand. I always have spinach in the freezer. Kale keeps really well. And taking into account, too, if you want to just shop once a week, getting a couple things that might keep a little bit longer and then utilizing the things that go bad faster uh, at the beginning of the week is always helpful. I think, like you said, the theme here is simplicity, that kind of going back to some ancient ways of eating within the Mediterranean and and kind of reminding modern American people that this is reasonable, and especially for busy families, you can do this. These are quick, healthy, delicious tasting meals, and you're going to be able to implement a lot more seafood into your diet, and there's going to be a lot of health benefits to it. 
Kelly, this has honestly been wonderful. Really enjoyed speaking with you, just learning about your story, for you bringing your energy and knowledge to the show. Where can people learn more about you? Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It's been so nice to chat. My website, it's kellyepowers.com. I have a lot of resources there. I actually have a complete guide around the Mediterranean diet with additional recipes too. I have a blog where I have recipes that I share and everything is really Mediterranean diet forward and focused. And there's also a lot of other resources there too. And on Instagram, I do share recipe videos and just recipes in general, nutrition tips, things like that. And my handle is kelly.powers. Well, thank you so much for listening today. We hope this has helped to begin your journey decoding seafood. Make sure you check out the show notes below. We'll have Kelly's recipes, the 10 delicious Mediterranean diet recipes that she's given us for Moe. Thank you for listening. Decoding Seafood is brought to you by Moe, hosted by Keaton Robbins, produced by Tim and Tanya Fraser of Murdoch Entertainment, and recorded and edited by Jordan Moore of The Pod Cabin. Executive producer, Rotter Creative Group, with special thanks to our community of contributors and those that follow us.